Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gamblernet in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. All right, we're back with another Auburn Live football show. Appreciate everybody for joining us. I'm Justin Huckinson. With me, as always, is Cole Pinkston. Cole, what's up, man? How are you? I am good. How about yourself, man? I was uh, I enjoyed some football over the weekend. I I think I watched every single play of every game that was televised, uh, and that Did is you? it was awesome. I am. I'll be honest. I'm like I love college football. I'm not the guy that's going to watch every game, every play. <laughs> I'm not. As we get into the season, I won't do that. But right now, I, I'm looking for anything I can. Yeah. yeah. I, I, mean, I, watched, I, I tried to watch some, you know, Navy Notre Dame, but that was just a complete joke. And yeah. uh, so I was like, okay. Um, and then yeah, I just had other stuff going on. Didn't get to watch some of the other some of the other games, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I was watching. You know, I don't know. It was it was good to have it back. That was pretty cool. Um, to watch game day, watch game day in the morning. Um, yeah. And uh, I don't know, like Desmond Howard is just, he's got to have stock. He's got to have like investments like in Texas. Like if Texas and makes the playoff, there's got to be a payoff for him or something. Something's <laughs> going on with Desmond Howard. Last year, Des- he picks, last year, Desmond Howard infamously picks Texas to win the national championship last year. And that was just obviously turned out to be, a joke. This year, he picks A&M as his dark horse in the SEC, which is not as far-fetched as last year, but then he turns around and he also picks them to make the playoff again. I'm like, man, this guy is just going to ride this until he's right, I guess. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better about some of the uh, RPM predictions that I missed this year, because I think I was a lot closer than he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't get worse than picking A&M to win, to win the national championship last year. I mean, that, that was pretty uh, 
It's pretty awkward. It was fun to watch college game day. Um, Definitely. They talked about the SEC. They had A&M. See, who they picked? They, they said A&M. One of them said Kentucky was a dark horse. One of them said Tennessee was the dark horse. Um, which Tennessee's ranked 12, but I get it. They're, that's probably their fourth. That's like fourth in the SEC. Um, yeah. Right. Nobody, no, no Auburn talk. No surprise. No, no surprise there. No, no real talk or intrigue around Auburn. Thought to earn it. I think that's for the best right now. Just yeah. be somewhere in yeah. the middle. They're, they're not thinking about you either way, right? Yeah. This team doesn't need any accolades. They don't, they don't need any of that. Um, Hey, before we get going real quick, uh, shout out to our partner and sponsor Session Cocktail in downtown Auburn. Uh, go check them out. They're right there on Magnolia Avenue, just to the right of Taco Mama. Uh, great environment. Um, had some drinks there on uh, Saturday night. Um, it was uh, it was hopping. It was a good spot. They got bar seating. They got couch seating. They got booths. They got you know some tabletops. Nothing, no, no stand seating. It's not a college bar like that. You gotta have a place to sit and make awesome cocktails. Um, go check them out. Um, Hunter and Avery and Joe and all the great people at Session Cocktail, uh, happy hour four to six. If you, if you want to start trying to hit them up for happy hour, they do a great job there. I'm sure it's going to be really crowded on Saturday for game day. It'd be a great place to pop in and out for a drink if you're downtown tailgating or something like that or just walking around buying t-shirts and all that good stuff like people do. So go check them out, Session Cocktail in downtown Auburn. Um, all right, Colts, game week, dude. Can you believe it? No. It was a slow crawl, man. That was the – Jeffrey and I have talked about this. That was the longest recruiting season. And, and, of course, I'm new to this, but even he agreed, like, as long as he's been doing it, this was the longest recruiting season ever, off season in general. I don't know why it was, um, but it is. Maybe when there's more excitement around the program, it seems to take longer. It's kind of like Christmas morning, right? Yeah, maybe. I think for you guys, well, it depends on what makes it longer. I mean, with the portal, there's certainly more to do. The portal extends that spring period. It's like May, yeah. and you're still tracking and stuff. And um, the portal just, it really extends the um, after spring ball. You're still tracking, you know, in essence, recruiting. Um, yeah. And then, of course, they, you know, you have all the events and high scoring stuff. But I think that portal, that portal to me extended sort of the busy season for us by like another month after the spring. And so really it's like, of course, for me, it's June and July are kind of my slow months. And then I'm, you know, basketball, football, that's recruiting, of course, is going on in, in, in June and July and then slows down a little bit when camp gets going. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess it feels like, I don't know if it's going slow or fast, really. I mean, since Freeze was hired in November, you think about spring camp. It looks like it's going by kind of quickly to me, but um, but we're but we're here. And it, I don't know. It always it always sort of sneaks up on you, I guess, in a way too. And so I don't know what that says. It's always like you think about how long you know, think about that last game, and you're like, you know, you have X number of months till you get there. And then when you get here, you're like, what have I been doing the last eight months? I don't know, or, you know, whatever. It's just like, yeah, right, right. You forget like kind of everything that happened because because you're you're back in the season. But uh, yeah, I think um, it's exciting, man. I mean, we should have um, a great crowd Saturday, right? Should be the biggest capacity crowd, largest capacity crowd in the history of the stadium. Officially, eighty-eight oh four three is the new capacity for the stadium with some of the premium seating additions. Um, and so, while they may have crammed more people in there at times, this I mean this this will be officially 
the largest um, sellout in the history of the program. It's always been 87 four, 451. How, how many now, people do you think Auburn gets in the stadium when everybody, let's just say it's the Iron Bowl, and everybody's standing on the rails, you know, you got all that. How many do you think it officially gets to? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I mean, because, I mean, you've got tickets sold, butts in seats, right? But then you've got, you know, the, you, I think where it really balloons is you've got, you know, visiting passes on the sideline and people yeah. in the box, maybe some extra people in the box or something. And there's stuff like that that, that it can balloon up to. I'm not sure they can ever sell more tickets than butts and seats, like the numbers on yeah, right. on seats. But, um, but yeah, balloons up and you start talking visitors and visitor passes and um, on the sideline, that probably makes a difference. But I don't know, man. Yeah, some games in the past, you look up and you're like, the stadium looks full, and then I'm seeing thousands of people on the on the uh, on the ramps on the ramps smoking, which is what it. Years yeah. ago, that's the deal. People would go there. To, some people went because they could have a better view. A lot of people went there because they could smoke, and uh, um, and but they just stayed there. But a lot of people like. I mean, through they throughout the years, people love to just stand there because it was a better view. Especially if you're in the upper deck, you go down and and they thought that was a better view standing there than yep. being in the upper deck on a in that spot, which I can kind of get to. I know one time when I was younger, I went to an Iron Bowl and didn't have a ticket, was tailgating right outside the stadium and ended up, you know, they were just letting people in to go stand on the ramps. So I think they will do that if it's a big game. They want to pack people in. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've, I've normally just been in there. I guess I've never uh, I've never been out there like second quarter and seen people just rolling in. What was your first Iron Bowl? Oh man, it was. Uh, I believe it was the game that Brody Crowell got sacked twelve times. Oh yeah. I also oh, went God. to an Iron Bowl in Tuscaloosa before that, but that was the first one in Jordan Hare Stadium, I believe. Yeah, that was a fun was one, good. man. That was a fun one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Alabama was really good that year. It was a top ten. I mean, I, it was. I think Auburn. I don't know where all of them. They're both right around top ten, and Auburn uh, jumped all over them in the first quarter, and then kind of cruised the rest of the way. Didn't need to do a lot. Held them down and. Um, but yeah, the first quarter they jumped all over Alabama in that game, and then yeah, they yeah. this like Brody Croyle eleven times in that game. Um, that Auburn team was really, really damn good. They 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 screwed up in the bowl game because they uh, they just they didn't go down there and take things seriously. And um, yeah, that 05 team should have beaten LSU and Baton Rouge. They missed John Vaughn missed three or four field goals. Oh, they yeah. barely lose the game in Baton Rouge. They messed up the game at the beginning of the year against Georgia Tech in Jordan-Hare, where Brandon Cox really – it was his first start. And threw for a lot of yards, but threw a bunch of picks. And they and Reggie Ball and them came in. Um, I think Reggie was still there. And Georgia Tech upset Auburn right off the bat. Pretty disappointing game. And then that was it. I mean, that team got it together, goes to Athens, beats Georgia, then comes to plays a, a top-10 Alabama, whips them. And, I mean, at that point – um, Auburn was, you know, they were one of the best teams in the country, and then they went down there and messed around and didn't take the bowl game seriously. And Wisconsin and um, uh, Wisconsin ran all over them, and I can't remember yeah. that running back. I can I can picture the running back. He was number two. Um, I think he might have been Barry Alvarez's last game, 05. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I can't remember. They had a running back that, that was that played the NFL. Like he was dynamic, and uh, – they just ran rough shot. And, and I heard stories later on, like Auburn, the players messed around before, like that week. They didn't take things seriously. And uh, 
they uh, they got smoked in a bowl game. That should have been a 10-win Auburn team, which would have been back-to-back 10 wins, 0-4, And it now, because they messed that up, that's still something that hasn't happened ever. I mean, I don't have to go back and look. I mean, it's something that just rarely, if ever, happens for Auburn. It's back-to-back 10-win seasons. Um, yeah, right. Anyway, uh, all right, let's talk about this game. Um and anything else we want to talk about, UMass. Did you watch any of the uh, UMass games? So UMass played New Mexico State, won 41-30, to 30, UMass did, which is funny. New Auburn plays New Mexico State later in the year, too. Uh, UMass yeah. is the first opponent. UMass wins 41-30. Um, New Mexico State, if you look at the stats, New Mexico State had more first downs, more total yards, more passing yards, more rushing yards, less penalties. I mean – uh, the turnovers. New Mexico State turned the ball over three times. Brian Calhoun, yeah, thank you, Zach. That's exactly who it was. Number yes. two, he's freaking, he's a stud. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, New Mexico State time of possession. I mean, New Mexico State had had the upper hand in, in nearly everything except turnovers. UMass had a pick six on defense, and yeah. those turnovers killed them. And UMass wins the game, forty-one thirty. Um, you know, Auburn's thirty-eight point favorites. They're going to out athlete New Mexico State regardless sure. of where Auburn's at. Um, they're they're going to out athlete them, and so um, I don't know what, what what's sort of on your mind as as game week gets going here. We'll talk to Hugh Freeze on Monday and and get rolling. Um, what's kind of on your mind heading into this week? It seems like very much a week in a game about Auburn and trying to get off to a good start in the Freeze era, trying to get Peyton Thorne off to a good start versus you know versus worrying about UMass too much and trying to trying to come out there and throw something on the table that you feel good about going to Cal the next week. Yeah, I think because you – well, number one, with UMass, I didn't watch the entire game, but I watched a good portion of it before um, Vandy and Hawaii started. And the quarterback, I think he's worth mentioning, Tyson – I can't even begin to tell you what how to pronounce that last name. No, go for it. Tyson P. How about that? Uh, if you've seen that name, it's probably because he was at Clemson. Uh, he was a four-star recruit, a guy that Dabo Swinney liked a lot, got it. Clemson, he, he never really played and, and transferred to UMass. And obviously he's pretty sporty. I, I didn't see the full game of his, but had some good plays and can make plays with his legs. So, you know, he's he's interesting. There's no doubt. Um, but the thing about this game and UMass, and we, I think the biggest thing is having California the next week. And that game can get a little hairy. That's the thing about it. Just because it's new territory, it's it's a weird time. You're going to be in a weird place. Um, I don't know if y'all – I actually did an interview um, last week with a guy that covers Cal, uh, and we sort of previewed the game. And he was telling me that the California attendance has been one of the worst in the country in college football in the last five years, the, the home game attendances. I, I don't know. I haven't watched the California game, so I, I really couldn't tell you, but he said – there's probably going to be more Auburn fans there. I thought that was really interesting. But the reason I think UMass is all that more interesting is, number one, it's the first game and there's so many new faces. But number two, it's because you have to – it's not a game where you can get up big and then pull your starters immediately. I think you got to let them play a little bit. And it's sort of a risk thing there. If you get somebody hurt, you know, but – you can't just pull them after a quarter if you're up twenty-one nothing or twenty-eight nothing in the first half. No, you got to play them. You got to get them some some game time. This is the first game, and you got a pretty, you know, pretty decent sized game coming up next week. So, yeah, 
that, there's going to be some coaching decisions that are going to have to be made there, and I'm interested to see that. I want to see how this coaching staff goes about that. Obviously, I want to see Peyton Thorne in action. Um, I want to see Demari Austin. He's one of the top three or five guys that is very intriguing to me, and I think could have mm-hmm. a huge breakout season. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right about – by the way, I was looking up uh, UMass quarterback. He's from Bridgeport, Connecticut. makes sense that he kind of went back you know, oh, yeah. closer to home. Um, but, yeah, he had – it counted for 192 passing yards – he didn't throw a touchdown or a pick, but accounted for 192 passing yards, but then he had 96 rushing yards and yeah. a touchdown. He's 6'4", 215, so uh, he's an athlete. Now, you're not going to come to Jordan-Hare and, and, I mean, just out athlete. Like, he's not going to just be like, I'm sure. an athlete. He'll, he'll make some plays, um, and it'll be a good, you know, he's, he's clearly mobile, and it'll be a good little test for Auburn in terms of rushing the quarterback. He'll probably probably won't be the easiest guy to get down. Um, but he's clearly their offense. I mean, it's just going to be whatever he wants to do. Um, you mentioned a good point about um, about playing all these guys. I think it's a no-brainer. Like you have, yeah, you you're going to have to play them extended time. They they need work. Um, I think this first game is it's almost a to me it's it's a it's a culture game setting type game. You know, if you're Hugh Freeze and it's game one of your era, game one. And it's against an opponent that you should out-athlete and you should win, right? You're 38-point uh, favorites. Yeah. This is the game where, from the get-go, you have you set your culture. What the expectation is pre-game, during the game, whatever it is, like running, huddle, hustle, um, attitude. Um, I mean, this is – I think this is it. Like, there's going to be a lot of hiccups in terms of, you know, logistics and maybe getting guys on the field. There will be a little – you know, there will probably be some mistakes and – you know, just stuff like that that happens. It won't be clean, but from right. a culture standpoint, it's such a it's such an opportunity. Like, hey, if nothing else, we're gonna do those things right. Like, I want to see the kind of defense, like Ron Roberts. Hey, I want to see the kind of defense that we're gonna deploy here at Auburn. I want to see it today. Like this is like from he, like every game when we step on the field. This is who we are. And I think I think as much as anything, this is that opportunity to to do that before you go on the road. Um, and, and face Cal. Um, I think it's a culture setting kind of game for these, for, for freezing these guys. Definitely. Yeah, it is. Uh, by the way, if you'd have told me that possibly the largest crowd in Jordan Hare history would be for the U- University of Massachusetts game, yeah, I wouldn't have believed you, but that is, <laughs> I mean, it's possible. I think the crowd is going to be electric. And that's crazy. And Auburn might get up big, and it might slow down a little bit. But that pregame and all that—that's going to be awesome. And I think, uh, you know, even when there wasn't energy around the program a year ago, with with Harson and his staff in charge and everything that was going on there, was it was it last year when Tank Bixby had that run and he's like beating his chest as he's running into the end zone on that long run? I mean, they're going to be energized, and I love that. That's going to be a lot of fun, but. You know, do they are they jittery? Is Peyton Thorne jittery? Is this something that he's going to be? Is he going to be cool and calm like he's always looked every time you watch his film? Um, Demari Austin, if he's getting a lot of the carries, is he going to is he going to be you know ready to roll? Is, is this first time? You know, that's the thing. There's so many guys that are wearing an Auburn uniform for the first time in this game. I mean, half the team, right? Yeah. At other places, but not at Auburn, not in that stadium. 
Sometimes yeah. that energy is sometimes that that juice you get from that from the stadium being like that is almost uh it can be detrimental in a way. You can get overjuiced. It happens. So yeah. uh, when that happens, that, that's what I want to see the staff. I want to I want to observe Hugh Freeze on the sideline. That is something I loved doing with Brian Harson when we sit up in the box and we get to see that. I like to observe his temperament. I like to see how he handles, um, you know, when guys make mistakes or they, or if he sees somebody with, you know, making making a mistake, whatever the case may be. I, I'm just interested in that. I like to see how they do those things because right now, the picture in our mind of Hugh Freeze is that he's a happy-go-lucky guy. Um, Real nice to media, all that kind of stuff. He'll let you know if something, you know, he doesn't love, but he's very nice, general, uh, genuinely. So I, I'm just thinking, is he going to kind of look like a different person out there? Is he going to have a different demeanor with the team? It's, it's not really a big game, honestly, but it is at the same time. And I think he's going to be kind of juiced up too. Yeah, it'd be crazy. First game, I mean, I'm sure most of those guys are going to have some kind of jitters. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, first time out. I think. Um, I think you mentioned Damari Austin. I think he's going to have a ball game. That that guy is so primed to break out that this first yeah. game. Um, I just have a feeling he could he could have a he could have a monster game. Curious to see how Peyton Thorne plays, obviously, and um, see if he's too amped up. Kind of decisions he makes. I'm sure Shane Hooks will make some plays and. Um, and all that good stuff. I don't know what you'll be able to take from this. That's why I kind of go back to the culture side of it. I don't think you're going to be able to walk away from this game and say, well, Auburn's defensive line is for real or their offensive line is for real. I just don't think UMass has enough to to be able to make that determination. I think you're going to have to look a little bit deeper, look for culture stuff, look for hustle plays, look specifically for the decisions Peyton Thorne's making. Maybe not don't sit there and look at yards and touchdowns, Try to try to look at the decisions that he's making. Yeah, um, that's the important thing. He's making the right call, making the right decision. Missed tackles, you know. Look at missed tackles. We heard about missed tackles a little bit in one of the scrimmages. So let's let's see how they they tackle um, and and if they do well there. I'm also looking to kind of see who plays. I mean, that last week of fall camp, you had a lot of guys banged up, especially on defense. You had Jalen McLeod, Austin Keys, Keldrick Falk. Um, Marcus Harris, I think, got banged up in the last scrimmage. You had a lot of guys there injured. Coy, me had some guys at receiver that have been injured, lingering stuff for a while. Um, want to see maybe where's Javaris Johnson at, where's Malcolm Johnson Jr. at. Um, but that defense, those Keys, McLeod, Falk, and I think I think that's it. But those three guys missed some multiple practices, missed time that last week. I want to see if they're if they're out there and they're good to go. Hopefully, that was kind of lingering stuff that. They kept yeah. them out uh, that last week. They limited their reps, and and it's not it's nothing serious. Uh, I, I don't think. Um, but want to make sure all those guys are out there. Um, you know, you want to watch the linebackers. You want to watch the kind of calls they're making, making sure guys are aligned right in that in that front seven. The fits are right. That the linebackers are making the right calls. There seems to be good communication in the front in the front part of that defense with a with a brand new defense. It's going to do some different things and be multiple and all that. So I think it's that kind of game. It's a it's a uh it's a chance to try to clean a lot of this stuff in real time. There's gonna be tons of mistakes, we know that, and then see what kind of jump they can make um into that into that cow game. 
Yeah, I think the biggest mistakes are going to be missed tackles. I'm with you on that. That's going to happen. It just is. They, I mean, football's not like it used to be, guys. Like <laughs> They don't get to tackle all the time at practice. So right. they're getting out there and really tackling in, in an intense situation for the first time. I mean, the scrimmages are like that, yes, but this is, you know, it's totally different in a game setting. So that's going to happen. Expect that. Um, those injuries are interesting because I, don't you think we would probably know if they were – Serious, serious injuries, something that would keep these guys out for a long time? I would think so. I mean, most of those guys, Marcus Harris is the only one I'm not sure about because he got, from what I understand, he got hurt in the last scrimmage. And then we and then that was okay. it. We, we haven't seen anything from that. The other guys we would see in the yellow jersey, but they still looked somewhat active. They still sure. looked in pretty good spirits. They were, you know, it was more like limiting their reps than – than them just standing over there doing nothing. It, it didn't seem to be – even Coy Moore, those guys, they're doing stuff. Um, they're just not participating right. in every little thing. So, yeah, I think it's probably more um, cautionary to some degree. Well, it's interesting that a lot of those guys – you said Jalen McLeod, Austin Keys, um, Keldrick Falk. These are all new guys to Auburn, yeah, so. at least. So, what the, if they're holding them out, if they – Let's just say it is precautionary and it's something that they're like, well, we, let's make sure they're healthy by the time we get the season. My question is, do you do that if these guys are not proven to be good players for you? Because if if they're still trying to prove that they can play or be starters or be in the rotation, you know, you probably want to see more practice from them, even if they are banged up a little bit. That's just my thought on it. I don't know if that's exactly how they would do it. That's, that's something that I thought about with them. Uh, so that would tell me that I think those three, Austin Keys, Jalen McLeod, even Keldrick Falk, who's a freshman, are probably starters or very, very key rotational players. I mean, that's a good way to know, I think. Yeah, and, yeah, I think that's, I think you're right. I mean, I think their importance and their value to the team is evidenced by keeping them out yes. with, based on probably some minor things. Right. I think that's a fair way to look at it. Um yeah, I think that's a very fair way to look at it. This uh, real quick, this game is on ESPN by the way, two thirty. Isn't that weird? Auburn UMass is going to be the hmm. nationally televised ESPN game. Great for Auburn, great for Hugh Freeze. I, I guess ESPN saw some value in putting yeah. Hugh Freeze out there nationally televised two thirty um, as the the ESPN game. Um, so they'll get some nice uh, they'll get some nice recognition, some eyeballs on that game for sure. I think that further proves that Auburn is one of those brands, you know. If nowadays it's all about the NIL and the brand, you know, if you're not one of those brands, you're going to struggle in recruiting and all that. So that just proves, hey, ESPN's willing to put this game in a pretty primetime slot there, 2:30 on, on the first major college football Saturday. So I think that speaks well to Auburn's branding, right? Uh, oh, there's no doubt. Um, real quick, GameTime.co. I want to give them a shout-out. They're a sponsor of ours on the show, GameTime.co. Visit them for tickets to sporting events, comedy shows, concerts, all that good stuff. GameTime.co. Go check them out. Use the code WARIGLE to get 20% off your first purchase. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, tickets, again, War Eagle, one word, uh, 20% off. And they have a, um, a deal where if you, if you buy your tickets and then find tickets somewhere else in the same section, same row, you can get um, – they'll, they'll give you like 110% of the difference back. So um, that's a pretty cool deal that they do to, to sort of help guarantee that they've got the lowest tickets. Gametime.co, make sure you go check them out. Um, all right, Cole, so I wrote about um, – as I'm going to do all year, you know, on Sundays I write my 3-2-1 after games, which will be three things learned, two questions, one prediction yeah. after each game. I wrote that kind of preseason version heading into this one. Um, and wanted to uh, to get your thoughts on a couple of things, mainly on on the two questions part. So here's what I wrote about. One was, what is the right combination of record and recruiting for Auburn fans to feel like this was a good fall? Um, because I think there's some kind of – it's like a sliding scale. I think there's somewhere, you know, if they go six and six, but they finish X in recruiting, I think they'll be happy. If they go seven and five, but they finish X in recruiting, they'll be happy. There's some kind of, I think there's kind of a, it sort of depends. And then even, of course, it gets into the wins and losses and how those games go. Um, but I, I wrote that I feel like it's going to be a moving target until probably December in terms of how supporters of Auburn football feel about the season. They're going to get to the season. They're going to have to see recruiting, transfer portal. Do you agree with that? I mean, don't you think it's just it, – at least in year one. Now, past year one, you can't play this game. Past year one, you're you're moving into your third, second full class, third recruiting class, second season. You can't play the game of well, we'll we'll be okay with this on the field if recruiting's going well, because at that point, after year one, it's about winning. It's about wins. It's about winning. Year one's kind of to me the at Auburn is the only season, if that, if that, that you can get away with whatever the record's going to be on the, on the field and get somewhat of a pass. Past that, past that it's not going to happen. Um, what do you sort of think about that? Do you think it's going to be kind of a moving target for fans well past the season in terms of trying to figure out, was this fall as a collective a good fall or a bad fall? Like how do you, how do you think Auburn supporters are going to view sort of the next four or five months? Well, I think number one, it, the recruiting has been better than it has in, you know, recent history, I guess it's fair to say, um, already. And they haven't even showed their product on the field yet. So they're in, they're in the top 15 right now and, you know, still a possibility to sign that top 10 class. I, you know, we all think that's a possibility. So I think you've bought yourself some time and some, some, uh, grace maybe from Auburn fans with that. I think that might be the best word, some grace. Because now, at the same time, I think Auburn fans are very, you know, they're going to suffer from PTSD. They just are because there's been some bad times at Auburn, obviously, and there's been some bad times with all the previous coaches at Auburn. So if Auburn goes in there this season and they drop a game that it just seems like they're supposed to win, a lot of Auburn fans are going to go, man, that is – that just reminds. That's just like the Gus Malzahn era, even though it's first year. I mean, you don't. The grace period is much smaller these days. Okay, it just is, especially from fans. Fans are not reasonable most of the time. So, uh, that you don't want that. 
Okay, I think taking care of business in the games you're supposed to, which we've we've gone down that schedule several times, and there's five or six games you're probably supposed to take care of business in. Then there's some toss-up games, and then there's some that are going to be hard to win. Obviously, the ones that are hard to win, LSU, Georgia, Alabama, toss-ups. Um, maybe maybe Texas A&M is in the hard-to-win category, somewhere between that and toss-up, I'd say. Ole Miss could be a toss-up, Arkansas, Mississippi State. Uh, you should win Bandy, right? So – Win a couple of those toss-up games. I, I say you don't need to go below six, and I'm doing. I'm basing that off of the schedule. You go below six wins, and I think even a top ten class. I think there's still going to be some concern out there from Auburn fans with year one. I think that's. I think that's fair because as you're talking through it, there's five games that they're the legitimate underdog. No question. Georgia, yes. Bama, LSU, A and M on the road, Arkansas on the road. They're the underdog. Um, you know, Arkansas, I mean, those programs are a little bit further along talent-wise. Like, they are the underdog in those five. Right. So, if you lost those five, and then you've got your other seven, going six and six would mean you basically, you drop. And, heck, we'll see what kind of season Ole Miss puts. I mean, I, it, it's possible. I, I doubt it. But Ole Miss could come into Auburn as a one, two-point favorite. Like, that, sure. you know, sure. a three-point favorite. I, I, don't, I mean, that's going to be close, I would think, just because it'll be in Auburn. But yeah, could be the underdog in that one too, but given those other five, they're the underdog. Going six and six means they drop one more game of that other group of games that are either they're the favorite or or is a kind of a toss up game. And if you looked at the season and said, "All right, you lost, you lost every game you should have lost, you and you won every game you should have won or you could have won, except one." That's you know, if you look at it that way, you'd be like, "Well, that's." For year one, I think they would be – they would let that slide, if you will. I don't think they're okay with it, but I think yeah. they would they would, they would, would let it slide. I think they'd love to go upset somebody. Go upset oh, A&M yeah. or or maybe – who knows? Maybe LSU on the road or something crazy. And they get, you get two weeks off before LSU. Um, and so that'll be, that'll be an interesting one. Yeah, but when you look at it like that, it's six and six or would be basically doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah. To, to the most part, seven and five. If they're the favorite against Ole Miss and Mississippi State at home, then seven and five is doing exactly what you were supposed to do. Win the ones you're supposed to win, lose the ones you're supposed to lose. Do not do no different either way. Yeah, six and six or seven and five would technically be meeting expectations. I think yeah. below those wins is under expectations, and then if you go higher, you're you're overachieving expectations. No and by the way. Um, if you'll think back to Gus Malzahn, 2013, he absolutely overachieved. Uh, I say overachieved. That's probably not the best way to put it. He, I mean, they weren't supposed to be that good in 2013. Coming off, oh, of no, 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 no. overachieved. I mean, they, 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 they blew that out of the water. It's not even a word for what they did from 12 to 13. I mean, that's it was literally one of the largest turnarounds in the history of college football. I mean, Definitely. what he did in 13 was was unbelievable. The unfortunate thing for him is and it's that it set this bar so high, yeah. and then he could never reach it again, right? No, not even close. Not close. So it's – that's a, you've, I mean, you find yourself in a weird place there. Yeah, you, you never want to take away that season from him. But, man, it, it really disrupted him, you know, as, as he went on as Auburn's head football coach. So you almost think, well, look, he – you can tell that there's the building for the future is there 100%. You're in the top 15 right now. You haven't even played a game yet as the head coach at, at Auburn. You haven't shown anything about what your team's going to look like. Um, 
you, you flipped a guy from Bama, you flipped a guy from Georgia, you got these recruiting wins, you took a quarterback that Dabo Sweeney wanted. That hadn't happened in a long time. Uh, so the, a lot of those things, you got some of these wins that have just notched you up a little bit to where, again, you have some grace from the Auburn fans going, okay, I, I know the future looks pretty good right now. The only thing is, you, I, I say, it's, really, this is the way you have to put it. You, you put some resources and money into the NIL and, and, and in the transfer portal, you know, to go ahead and win now. So that is kind of like Texas A&M, okay? Texas A&M, as Desmond Howard thinks, they're, they're going to be so good, right? It's because their recruiting has been top-notch. But when your recruiting's top-notch, that's an expectation, and you have to meet it on the field, and if you don't, you're in trouble. Well, now, with a really good portal class, a new quarterback, all these new players to go along with some good players you had before, but you had to have more, obviously, the expectations, I think, for the season are a little bit higher than they were going to be. So you do find yourself in sort of a strange place if you're Hugh Freeze because now there's a little bit more pressure to be good this year because of what you brought in to help this year immediately. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting when, if Auburn fans have to sort of temper their expectations to match the outside world a little bit. And you mentioned recruiting flips. I mean, think about even go back to the very, very end of the last class, you flipped Kay and Lee from Ohio State. So, like, you could go yep. back to the last 15, 16, 17 commits, whatever, and you have that group. You could say you flipped a kid from Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, and then you beat Clemson another one. Like, Florida that's State. Kel- that thing Kel- about Huh? Keldrick Falk, Florida State, Connor Lou, Miami, flip those two guys. Yeah. As well. I mean, that's, yeah, the last handful. So you start, and that's, you know, you start, that's what we talk about recruiting, by the way. Like, you know, look, Brian Harson, that first class or whatever, they were ranked top 20 in one of those classes. I mean, and so I yep. can see how you go, well, hold on. Harson had a class that was 18th and Freeze is sitting here at 14. What's the difference? Well, if you dive in a little bit to the numbers, one, the numbers you'll see a four star outside of the top 300 is different than a four star that's ranked 150. Um, yeah. Also, look at the caliber of schools they're beating. I mean, Auburn beat some. Auburn rarely, in Brian Harson's tenure, rarely did they beat any elite program for a player. Even if, even some of the four stars they landed, they yeah. weren't beating Bama, Georgia. They weren't. They weren't. They weren't doing any of that. I mean, maybe a couple, but right. Hugh Freeze right away, right away, is not just beating them. Even some of the kids they've lost out on. they look just start to look where Auburn's being mentioned. And think about where Harson was in those two years. Look, look now at these elite prospects, and you're like they're considering Florida State, Georgia, A and M, and there's Auburn. Mm-hmm. Auburn's popping back up in these lists and being seriously considered by these elite prospects, and they weren't on these lists a year, two years ago, three years ago. They 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 weren't there, and so Auburn's getting back into the mix and being respected by these kids, even if they don't end up choosing Auburn. Go read what kids are saying. Go to AuburnLive.com and read what the kids – look at the caliber of kid that, that – that, that the caliber of prospect that Auburn's even getting on campus. And then look at the quotes that they're – that they have when leaving. If you pay attention to it, you see it. You see a difference. It's not just about a recruiting ranking. It's about all this foundational stuff that's happening behind that that will, that will end up turning out better classes, more productive classes, more quality kids, more quality prospects. I mean, go back to that – I can't remember. I guess we're at the 21 class. Whatever the class is, there's almost nothing left of one of those classes from Harson. Now I can't remember. I think it was the 21. Was it the 21 class? Like basically everybody's gone now. It is. Yeah, Jarquez Hunter's the only one left now. 
half of that class. I mean, look, he came. I don't. I don't blame him too much for that one because you know he came in midway through that class or more than midway through that class. You know, Gus was the coach for most of that. He comes in. He brings in. I think it was Caden Bridges, Joko Willis, and Jarquez Hunter. A couple more, but Colby Smith. So. You know, give him credit for Jarquez. He wasn't really on the board until Harson got there. That that was a good one, obviously. But yeah, that, that whole class is just woo. That that class put Auburn behind big time. I mean, an entire class. I'm sitting here looking through. I mean, an entire class. Of course, and Demetrius Robinson Robertson played. He transferred, and he, you know he played a little bit that one year. He helped. Yeah. Donovan Kaufman is in that class too. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's been Mark nice. Harris. Yeah, Finley played. But, I mean, listen to the names in this class, this 20 class. Jawan Gaston, Colby Smith, Roteris Torrance, Caden Bridges, A.D. Diamond, Joko Willis, Kamal Hayden, Ian Matthews, Garner Langlow, Landon King, Tabichi Apoli, Marquise Robinson, Tavares Dawson, Hal Presley. People people wouldn't even know that kid existed. <laughs> uh, Amari Harvey, Demetrius Davis, Lee Hunter, and Dylan Brooks. I mean – Basically, not just every kid, now they're gone. Dang near every kid I just mentioned didn't even sniff the field. Like, they didn't even come close to being a contributor. They weren't even in the ballpark of being a contributor. The other problem is not many of those, na- not many of those names are making huge waves at elsewhere. Kamal Haddon, I, I, I give him credit. I think he's a starter at Tennessee. At corner, so yes, he's pretty good. I think Hal Presley had a really good season for Baylor a year ago. Obviously, D. Davis starting quarterback at um, Alabama State, but you know, <clears throat> even from a production standpoint, that class is not really living up to expectation. It will be interesting, by the way, to see. You know, maybe after this year, next year, as bad as we know Harson's recruiting was in terms of planning effort. Um, importance, like understanding exactly how important it was, right? They were there was a lacking from Harson in terms of Definitely. you have to live and breathe it. Um there were some players that I'm interested to see if you look back, you know, like that next class, that twenty two class, and you think about like if some of these guys pan out, whether it's I mean you got J D Rim, you got Keontae Scott, yep. you got Robert Woodyard, Holden Gurner, you've got Austin Osbury, Amari Kelly doing some good things. You got Damari Austin. You got Camden Brown. Yep. You got Michael Riley Ducker, Jay Fair. Yep. You've got Alex McPherson. You've got, uh, and then you start getting into some transfers. Like, so there's still some guys there that could, you could look back and say, hey, there's some impact guys that they got out of that class. Then you look at the transfers, Jason Jones, DJ James. Huge. Um, and so, but, but still, like I named, I mean, of the players I mentioned, that's still, you know, of 30 players, that's still not enough. You know, I can't name you, – you can't have a class of high school and transfers of 30 guys and name – and then look back in two years and only be able to name, like, 10. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and go, well, they landed on – you can't land on a third. You know what I mean? Right, and right. so, I think – I mean, and that's – every player I name, I mean, some of those guys haven't even done anything yet. It's just potential. But I think you got to um, – it'll be interesting to look back and see if some of those kids, some of those, some of those prospects develop. All right, here's the other thing I was going to talk about was what's kind of your prediction on the on the season? I think it's a perfect time. The season's about to start. What do you think? doesn't have to be a win-loss unless you feel like you want to predict a win-loss record. Um, 
for for the squad. I would probably go if I was going win losses. Oh boy, I would go seven and five. I think there's enough talent to get the job done. I don't know how that pans out. One of them's got to be Arkansas and A and M. You got to win one of those. You win your you you win your four non conference games. That puts you at five, and then you win the Mississippi's and you're at seven. So the that's why the Arkansas and A and M games I just think are pivotal pivotal games. Yeah. Of course, you you beat Vanderbilt too. Those two games could, are just such swing games. They're games that I think Auburn can go compete in. But I think seven and five would be my prediction for the for the season. The other thing I wrote about as you sort of think about what you want to say. The other thing I wrote is I think this team will be better as the season goes on. I think it'll look different as the season goes on. I think the team you see in late October, November will be a better version, and it should be, but I think it'll be a lot better version than what you see in September. I think the quality of of play from this Auburn team, first six, last six, will get a lot better for a lot of reasons. You know, chemistry, guys understanding what to do on both sides of the football, coaches have a better understanding of exactly what the talent is and how to best utilize it. And, and, and then I think the, those first three games in conference play are brutal. You could be 0-3, but you could also turn around and win your next three and right the ship against um, against uh, the Mississippis and then um, Vanderbilt. So it, I think it's going to be a season that just hang in there is what I'm saying. I think yeah. get to September, October, hang in there, and I think this team could get better as the season goes on. But what do you – what do you sort of think about the team win loss record, or what's what's at least one thing you think you could hang your hat on right now as a prediction or a projection for for how the season will go? Well, the schedule is both favorable and non favorable, depending on how you look at it. So, the very the the first stretch, the first SEC stretch, the Texas A&M, the LSU, the Georgia games, and they're I think you, you get a bye week or something in between there, right? But those are big. I mean, there's a yeah. You, you get a buy after Georgia. Between Georgia and LSU, there's a buy. Okay, that's your buy. Yeah. But there's potential to lose all three of those games. Absolutely, yes. and that's likely. It's know. likely. I mean, they're going to be the underdog in all of them. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, very likely that it is likely that they could lose those three games in a row. That's really tough for morale when, when you're brand new like this. So that I don't like. I don't like that stretch at all for Auburn. But then I think it becomes very favorable after that. And just like I agree with you, I think that this team will get a lot stronger as the season goes on. I think it will get stronger from those losses. Let's just say that those are going to be losses right now, okay, in my head. This is how I'm thinking of it. I think they will get stronger from those losses. I think they could even make some of those games. Well, I definitely think Texas A&M is going to be close. I think LSU could be closer than maybe the line will say. Uh, Georgia, I'm a little more worried about that one. But you do get them at home, so who knows? Maybe a couple quarters, it's close. <laughs> uh, either way, I think I think you're going to – morale might not be at an all-time high, but I think your team will get better. I think your players will get better. I think that all these new faces won't be new anymore, and they'll be, you know, starting to show out a little bit. The whole reason you brought them here, right? Because I think you do have some really good players on the team, some that came back and some that you brought in. So when that starts coming together, I really like that back half of the of the schedule for Auburn. I think they could go on a run, um, and I think I think they could potentially beat Arkansas, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt. I think they could win those three SEC games. And to me, I, I give the I give the nod to being favorable because you want to go out on that high note. I think. Right, 
Now you got Alabama, that's going to be tough, obviously. But it's a high note by winning a lot of those games, and I think they can. So I'm teetering somewhere between seven and five and eight and four right now. I'm going to go with seven and five. That's what my gut says to go with right now. Um, but you get on a little run there, and you might catch some momentum, catch fire at that back half of the, of the schedule. Yeah, I agree. That Arkansas game could end up being a a big one, a big one for oh, for trying to get over the hump. Um, but I think yeah, I think that team that, that plays Alabama is going to be a far different team, a far better team than the, one, than the one that goes to College Station. Um, Peyton Thorne should be very comfortable by that time, you know. Yeah, yeah. he's now, and all that. The only caveat I would say in what we're talking about, which is a team that's improving, a team that's better, the only thing that would negate that is injuries and depth. The, the depth is still not there at a lot of positions. Definitely. So they can't afford injuries, which can happen as the season goes on. That's probably the only thing that this team could really hinder the success. If they have an injury at defensive tackle or linebacker, um, those are probably the two positions immediately I go to because I don't like the depth there. There's sure. there's not a lot of room for error there. Offensive line, there seems to be a little bit more room for error. Maybe it depends on the player, but there's there's I think there's a better combination of quality guys there. Uh, obviously, an injury to Peyton Thorne completely shifts what you do on offense if you have to go to Robbie or Holden. But I think that defensive side where you get a little beat up, you get a little fatigued, you get a little worn down, want to see how the depth holds up, which is why – these first three games, it's going to be so important to play a ton of guys on defense, specifically that defensive line. These first three games, they need to rotate everybody. I mean, I know you want to get – got to get Keldrick. I'm not saying don't get Keldrick Falk snaps. Obviously, get those guys reps. But, man, I'm – as much as I can, I'm rotating in everybody I possibly can, even if I'm doing it too much, even if I'm right. rotating a little bit too much. Um uh, against uh, against uh, UMass, Cal, and Sanford. I've got to create a rotation there, and I've got to keep that defensive front as fresh as possible. And having th- three games in September, non-conference games to do that would be – sure would be nice to see, you know, Lawrence Johnson getting a bunch of snaps or, you know, Gary Walker, like just a bunch of guys just getting in there and try to keep these guys fresh and, and limit, limit stuff heading into SEC play. Yeah. Yep, totally agree. And I guess the good and bad thing about entry is that everybody's going to be in the same boat. So do you wonder, does Arkansas, does Mississippi State, Ole Miss, I mean, do they really have that much better depth than Auburn? That that could come into play too. I, You know, everybody's going to be in the injury boat. Every, there's going to be injuries. That's part of it. I, I'm not in the business of saying, hey, that they could have won this game if there weren't injuries. Well, that's part of the game. So expect that. Uh, but I think – I think Auburn's depth is good enough to hold up against the back half of the schedule is what I'm saying. Now, if you had LSU, Georgia, Texas A&M on the back half and you're tr- you're having trouble with injuries, they're going to have better depth than you, those three teams. Yeah. So that's why I like the, the way the schedule lays out. Yeah. Well, it's going to be an exciting season. It's going to be a fun season, a lot of intrigue, a lot of interest. I think there's going to be some awesome moments. I mean, I, I don't know where they're going to come, but I think – the uh, I think the the new staff, some of the new talent they brought in, the hunger from the staff and the players, I think there's going to be some some surprises. I don't know when and where they're going to come, sure. um, but I think, I think there's going to be some moments that we remember from this first season um, that are going to be 
exciting. I think back to Gene Chizik's first season in 09, you have that moment where you go to Knoxville, and Tennessee wasn't awesome, but you go up there and, and you beat them, and you run the ball, and that was a that was a really big win at the time for that team. Um, and so I think they're I think this team could have some of those moments. Maybe that maybe the A and M game or the Arkansas game is that road game where they go on the road and uh, and pull off a big win in year one. But it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to follow. Um, again, Auburn and UMass two thirty on Saturday. Auburn's a thirty eight point favorite. It's going to be hot, but it won't be anything like it was this weekend. It'll be 10 degrees cooler. So it'll feel hot, but it won't feel as hot as it did um, yeah. this Saturday. I think you're right about the atmosphere. It'll be great for at least a half. Then people might might be like, all right, it's a little warm. I'm, I'm out of here. But it, It's going to be hot for UMass. I can guarantee that. Yeah, that's going to be brutal. And, and how about that? They opened the season going from UMass to Mexico. They played at New Mexico State, right? I think so. Yeah, back to UMass, down to Auburn. Well, that's what you got to do when you're that kind of program, I guess. Um, all right, make sure to go check out AuburnLive.com. Also, the ModCast will be starting back. Um, for those that, that uh, have listened to all our shows in the past, the ModCast features everybody, Cole, Jeffrey, myself, Zach will be there, and um, we'll do that. That'll Generally, that's posted on Fridays so during the season. So be on the lookout for the ModCast um, to come back as we just kind of, um, you know, preview the game talk about things we're thinking about heading in, all that good stuff. So make sure and check that out as well. Again, shout out to our sponsor, Session Cocktail in downtown Auburn, Magnolia Avenue next to Taco Mama. Go check them out. Happy hours, four to six. Great drinks, great old fashions, um, great places to sit, good vibe, good culture, um, all that good stuff. Not a, not a stand-up bar like you would a college bar. You can kind of go, go have a seat, take a load off, and go check them out, Session Bar downtown Auburn. All right. Let's get out of here, Cole. We'll come back on the modcast here in a few days and, and talk specifics about what we're going to look for in this game on Saturday, what we expect. Until then, everybody go check out AuburnLive.com. Subscribe if you haven't to Dollar for the first month. That's the new, that's their new, uh, um, you know, preview or, or whatever. If you're not, if you're a new member and you want to go check it out, you, you get a whole month for a dollar. That's the new trial. That's what it's looking for. Trial. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Go check that out and uh, make sure and listen to all the recruiting podcasts from Cole and Jeffrey and, and all the guys, the call-in show and all that good stuff. All right, let's roll. Let's do it. All right, see ya. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 
1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-420-47 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 